unfortunately, Joe's retarded uh, equipment broke down halfway through. So we had a bit of an issue with the sound from about 20 minutes onwards. I've tried to really heavily edit it in order to, um, you know, hide all the echoes and things like that. So please forgive me. I've done my best. However, time was against me, but we made good. There's a lot of great stuff in the last 30 minutes, and, and that's kind of why I tried so hard to salvage it. Anyway, I hope it doesn't uh, damage your listening pleasure. Uh, there's lots of good stuff in it. Joe's on good form. So um, I hope you enjoy the show, and normal service will be resumed next week. Once Joe's off the golf course and focusing on the podcast. Anyway, take care. Speak to you soon. Bye. Can I say something, Aaron? This guy is dangerous to the business, all right, to our industry. Not our business, our industry, right? All right, he's, he's actually hoodwinking. He's a con man, basically speaking. <laughs> Broadcasting from Essex, it's the 14th of May, 2021. You're listening to Salonomics. The Bitcoin price is currently $50,410. Thanks for that, Elon. I am your host, Aaron Dawn, and joining me once again from North London is my hair, Michael Saylor. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. <laughs> Hi, mate. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? Not too bad. Who's Michael Saylor? Right, so Michael Saylor. He is known as the Giga Chad in the Bitcoin space. He's the guy that owns a company called MicroStrategy, which is a software company. Um, But he came to prominence last year when he put half a billion pounds of his company's treasury into Bitcoin. And essentially, he spent the last year promoting Bitcoin to other CEOs and other organizations which have large cash balances, which are losing a lot of money every year due to inflation. Um, So obviously, Michael Saylor, he's a visionary, uh, he's sovereign, and, you know, he's making waves in Bitcoin uh, at the moment. So, you know, that's you're my hair, Michael Saylor, mate. You're making waves. <laughs> I'm making all for you the wrong reasons. Waves. All for the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't believe that. It's not, not for the wrong reasons. So I think you're doing it for the right reasons. Oh, I think, yeah, but uh, I think people saw like a mis- mis- um, misunderstand me. I mean, we, yeah. we, get, we get that later on anyway. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Anyway, mate, um, happy Eid. Happy Is that Eid, how you say yeah. it? Eid Mubarak. Eid Mubarak. So I... tell me, like I see this on Twitter all the time, you know, Arsenal tweeting, happy Eid. Like, explain it to me. I don't... What is it? What is it? Eid, right, is, is the, um, the the breaking of the fast. Because you know, I saw Drew Ramadan, right, for 40 days, I think it is, 40 days, 30 days, a, a whole month, right? Between, That's where you fast, right? Yeah, exactly. Between sort you don't of like, eat. Uh, sunrise and sunset, you can't fast. Nothing can pass your lips. No, you don't eat. You don't eat. Nothing could. No, you don't eat during, during sunrise and sunset. Okay, e- exactly right. So it's a, it's a case of discipline, self preservation. You know, and and also to fill the. Um, I mean, in in, in connection with uh, Muhammad, you know, so sort of like. A, uh, in the mountains, I've done that story because I'm I'm not really um, up in the religious, but as a Muslim, I should know, but I don't know. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, so it, it, it's it's to sort of, to feel empathy with 
the, the wealth was suffering, you know, there's people who, who are hungry, who are thirsty and all this kind of, and so you kind of get a connection with all these people around the world, right, who are less fortunate than you. So by, gotcha. by everybody fasting, right, it also, it, it's a sort of a leveler, isn't it? It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, famous or, 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 or an awful whatever, right? You're all in the same boat at that one period of uh, Gotcha, of yeah, gotcha. You know I mean? Right, I understand. Yeah, so, I mean, fasting has, like, tremendous health benefits anyway, doesn't yeah. it, well, as well? Yeah. So I suppose it's like a, a, you know, a detox as well. So well, for it. the human being, um, it actually... I think there is some evidence that says that fasting... Um, helps your longevity long term uh, well, and keeps you exactly. fit and well and all that stuff so 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 basically eid is a celebration of breaking humanity right and and breaking the fast and it's like a high five everyone well done we made it we got through through it like let's let's crack on no i like that i like that message okay well so um happy eid a eid break or or as a church so but Balram, Balram, right, is the um, the festival. Mutluosun uh, is is happy type of thing, you know what I mean? Uh, as in the festival of, um, you know, Merry Christmas type of thing, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, so, sure. yeah. It, it, it's, look, I, so it's I, positive vibes, basically. Yeah, it's it lots is. of positive vibes. I, I mean, I, I know people's going to disagree with me, but I, I sort of did it for one day many, many years ago, and I kind of realised that I wasn't born to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> is that another way of saying you're a snob no no you, no. you understood you as a snob mate you know what i mean i saw like think, you know what I, wouldn't it be a better world if that there was no suffering right yeah of course of course but you know the world turns mate doesn't it and yeah. the world turning creates suffering yeah, well, you know, this, this is, is it, this like, is part I, of an ecosystem yeah and that's what i find really sad about the whole thing you know yes you have to feel empathy for these people but I don't like to see people suffer. I don't even. I don't even like to see a cat suffer or or, or a fly. You know, sort of trying to sort of fly about to you know sort of crock his legs like type of thing. So you know, it's suffering for me. It's it's, it's not something that I, I tolerate really well. To be honest with you, I, I find it quite sad. Yeah, that's very humane of you, Joe Mehmet. I'm going to give you a round of applause. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Right, that, so then, mate, listen, um, we can't go any further without touching on the London mayor um, oh, yeah. election. Um, so you, kudos to you. You were bang on. You were spot on. Um, you feared that Sadiq Khan was going to win. So your fear has now been realised. So yeah. what now? Well, the, what now is, 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 is it's quite interesting watching him on the sort of London news, right? How he's trying to sort of like um, get connected with the with the um, with the government. It's trying to sort of like he's doing this publicity stuff now, right? You know, with the police, with the community services, all this kind of thing. But what I find really interesting, right, is how these sort of like social workers, governments, mayors, all these sort of so-called experts, right, and there's. There's been an awful lot of them around for a long time now, okay? How they think they can solve the knife crime, okay? And, mm. and they all think it's through um, so social working, community service, community centres and things like that. How about a simple education? You, you, know, do you know what I mean? It all started from school, you, you know, from, like from infant, you know, so what year is, what year is infant school um, these days? Five, six? I don't know what it is, right? Yeah, I mean, look, parents are being forced to work so early that kids go into nursery at two, three now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 
I, I, you, you know, know the, the nuclear family's been destroyed in this country over the last, you know, 15, 20 years. So I think there is there's probably some evidence that the two things are connected. You know I, I, mean? I, I think so. And, you know, and, and, and so Sidney Khan, you know, to, to his, uh, you know, sort of humble um, gratitude. Oh, he's a bus driver. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. must point out he's a bus driver it, to it, everyone. He's, it, he's not the mayor of London at all. He's, he's still a bus driver. His father was a bus driver. He, he was, a, he was a, uh, an activist lawyer, wasn't he? Suing the police left, right and centre. You know, yeah, mean, which is ironic, right? Yeah. Now he's in charge of pretty much the Met Police. Well, he's not in charge of the Met Police. <laughs> well, he's not he's, in charge, but you know, he's got sufficient power. Well, yeah, to um, keep to keep them. the streets safe, right? Which he hasn't mm. done so. I mean, it, it, it beggars belief who voted for him. I, it really does. Maybe it was all, all these sort of drug dealers and the, uh, the, the all these kind because he's, he's doing such a bad job. Right? I think, hey, let's keep him there. Like you know, I mean, we could we could have this sort of run of the city for for. Uh, I mean, for... isn't the, isn't the problem probably more due to the fact that most of the um, productive people in London have probably all moved out to their country palatial places and they probably didn't want to go back into London to vote. <laughs> well, there is that. But, but the, you know, the, the thing that I read actually was that within mm. the last hour of the, the, the counting, right, was that there mm. was a big surge of um, um, voters for in favour of Sadiq Khan. So obviously at one point or another, he wasn't winning the, 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 uh, the votes, right? And so obviously... This sort of like big surge came in, a bit you know, posted voting, whatever. God. But but I was talking to I was talking to one of my clients, right? You know, it's quite interesting because I've I've been working between, right? If you go by stats, right, opinion polls and things like that, everybody mm. I'm talking to didn't vote for City Khan, right? So yeah. let's say last who's 12, voting for him? Yeah, so last twelve people I talked to about the vote, right? No one voted for him. So who's voting for him, right? Yeah. Um, but they were saying to me the problem about that Sean Bailey didn't do too well, right? Because the Conservatives believed that they that he had no chance of winning, so they didn't really campaign on his behalf as 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 uh, profusely as the the Labour did with their Sadiq mm. Khan. So obviously, right. there was yeah. Uh, so it's marketing budgets again, yeah, isn't it? He's yeah. he's probably spent uh, an absolute fortune in taxpayers' money, yeah, uh, marketing himself to get back in into you know it, into the hot seat, so to speak. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. You you spoke about the the hour dumping of votes. Yeah. God, where have we seen that uh, before this year? Like yes. you know, yes. um, illegitimate voting scandals. I I also saw. I don't know whether this is true or not, but I did see that there's a connection between. Uh, the Dominion voting machines, like the same voting machines, yeah, uh, that got Biden in, have also got Sadiq Sadiq Khan in. So I don't know. I don't know if people. Well, I don't it, know it, if that's it could be. It's a conspiracy, or... right? But, you know, but I think the you know, it, it's a democratic vote, and we have to accept it. We and we move on from it, and but... we move on, right? Yeah, we move on. So so Sadiq is moving on by you know announcing this nine million pound. Uh, marketing drive of let's get London moving, which is ironic considering he spent the last four years slowing London down. <laughs> exactly. I mean, so what does it tell you, right? Well, I mean, what? Why waste money? I mean, this is this is someone right who really doesn't understand simple business um, 
operations. But his dad was a bus driver, though, Joe. Yeah, but you know, he's it, making oh, things amazing for the buses. He's basically, you know, no, for bus drivers. But no, even the buses aren't moving, mate. They, they don't, <laughs> <laughs> that's just it. Right? Yeah, but they've got their own shiny lanes not to move in now, haven't they? Yeah, the only people that's moving, right, are cyclists. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they only move for three months a year. Yeah. And then, the, and then for the other nine, the, the bikes up in the garage. Well, even so, Robert, this this is most this is the most ironic thing, right? Is that you, most cyclists that I see are hobby cyclists, right? So they they put their bikes in the back of a car, they go to Regent's Park or Richmond Park or Hyde Park or whatever, and they go around circles and they go up and down the streets or whatever, and they're racing with their friends, they're chitty chatting things like that. So they're mm. hobby cyclists, as far as I'm concerned. So yeah. so what does this mean for London salons, Joe? Well, well, all the same. More the same, definitely. That that's, and I've said it before, right? Is that if London London salons, right? I care, they care about their clients, right? They cannot allow City Car to come into power. What what they do? They allow them to come in, right? Because there's no way in a million years people will come into London to sort of go to the theatre. I mean, they will do, but not in the numbers they used to. Mm. Okay, because we're talking about how many salons in central London? You talk, you mm. know, I mean, 100, 200, and that relied on um, transit clients. Okay, mm. now if a small percentage of those transit clients are coming, one or two salons will miss out on the on these potential clients. Okay, so again, really, the the, the answer to to um, to all their problems, right, lies within the infrastructure of London and not COVID or not any other um, sort of like dynamics they could think of. It is London itself is the problem. And I, and yeah, I, but, but look, look at the bonus. Look at the benefits though, Joe. Least once you've spent £500 on getting your hair done, you can get on your little push bike and ride home in the wind and rain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's right. You know, <laughs> oh, you know yeah, it, it just, it just fasting. And people, and hairdressers, well, salon owners have to realise, right, that um, the the days of sort of doing, sort of like, let, let's say each hairdresser individual doing 10 clients, six clients a day is over. I think they, if they're lucky to do three, four clients a day, that is going to be as busy as they can ever get like to that. be busy wow. these days. Wow, that's a damning indictment. That's either a good thing or a that's either a good thing if you're lazy. Well, not uh, really. Or a bad I mean, if, thing you, if you're ambitious, right? Well, we we talked about it with Lee at one point, didn't we? Like uh, in our tower, we were doing about twenty clients a day. Okay. Sure. And we were considered busy. We did less than ten a day, right? We weren't busy. So in today's mm. world, it, yeah, so years gone by, we did ten a day was busy. Now it's about six clients a day if you were mm. busy. So obviously that's going to come down. So the numbers are coming down. Uh, per se yeah so i mean uh, boris has announced hasn't he uh on monday um about we can all touch each other again which is handy um i'm sure there's plenty of teenage boys and girls out there that have um that are really taking notice of that rock well yeah i'm sure i'm sure they were listening before anyway right yeah um but you know, surely this whole escapade, oh, escapade, wrong word. Surely this whole thing is going to restrict clients even further, right? Because I don't know if your clients are like mine, um, but a lot of mine are coming to me asking for home visits and stuff like that because they don't want to go into the salon. Of course, mate. Um, we, 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 we talked about this before. 
we, we talked about all you know many a time we talk about it virtually every day when me when you and I chat really on the phone and mm. um and, and again this is the the, the 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 narrative that I've come across is that clients do not want to go to the salon I I, I did a client last week uh, that was recommended to me and she she was recommended she found me on the website and I, and I went to her house in Mayfair surrounded by mm. some of the best salons in the world and, and she's going to a well-renowned hairdresser salon and she said to me, she does not want to go to a salon. And I said, well, why did you choose me? Why did you not get your hairdresser to um, come to your house? She says, well, I want to try somebody new as well, she said. Right? So mm -hmm. it gave her a good excuse to yeah. pull away from everything she already known, and everything she ever had, to start something anew. And or it's that thing of, I don't want to go out in the wind and the rain and the cold, and, you know, I prefer you to come here because it saves me time and... All of that stuff, Not you know, really. which is that extra value. But there's the value in that. Though, there's a little there, bit of value, but you know, you're talking about someone like you know, sort of living in a mega expensive house, like you know, what I mean, they've got they've got yeah. lived in their house, right? So yeah, that's that's telling you something. So it, that that time for them is not that important, and money's not that important. It's I think it's the the convenience, the safety, the I suppose the experience of of going to a salon these days. Is not what it used to be, and and it, it could and it would never be recaptured again. I think to to the yeah. that we yeah yeah it's 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 interesting because I was we was talking about it, weren't we? Uh, I wrote something last year on That's the right. blog um, about my fear going forwards that a visit to the hair salon uh, was trending towards being more like a dental appointment. Yeah, you know, not only the fact that every six months are a checkup, but just. It, in the fact that it's going to be a chore, you know, it's going to be for those. It's not seen as much as a pampering session because yeah. of all the the rules and restrictions over the last year. Do you, um, do so, you, do you think also, right? I mean, I, you, you're hundred percent spot on by that. I, I remember you sort of said. It. Do you also think, right, that you, you talk about individualism, right, and people mm. want to be treated as in, in, individualist and, and be sort of seen to be. Um, uh, a one-off type of thing. They, they yeah. actually realise that going to a salon, right, there's nothing special about it, is there? You, you, you know I mean, you just... There's nothing unique about it, yeah. is there? It is more of a um, conveyor belt kind of situation now, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I think as we've seen with platforms such as Airbnb and all of these things that have developed, they all promote one thing, which is unique experiences. And that's what people want, seem to be, you know, wanting more and more of these days, you know, not the, not the, you know, the carbon copy kind of experience. There's a reason why Airbnb overtook, you know, Hilton's market cap uh, in 10% of the time. Um, yeah. that Hilton had been around for over a hundred years and Airbnb overtook them in nine. Do you know yeah. what I mean? In terms yeah. of yeah. Uh, market value. And, and I, I kind of think that's, that's where the smart thinking is going towards, right? It is that little bit more, I am special, so I don't want to be part of the norm, right? And, and and the norm being right, yes, you go to a salon and have your hair done, but to be treated as as a as a as a sort of like a, a, a special as a, a sort of whatever, um, 
then you get someone to come to you. I mean, and, that, and don't forget, right, most hairdressers in my sort of generation of growing up, right, was that you, you went to someone's house, right, that was special, Aaron. That was a special treat. You know, oh, she wants me to go to her house. That, then I must be good. Do you, you, you know what I mean? I was, I was, I was, I was saying, right, I, I think clients these days, they enjoy the experience of a hairdresser coming to their house. They really do. Yeah, it's new. It's new and they like it. Right? Yeah. You, you know, they, they, they might have been intimidated before, or, you know, sort of like because of the fear of being judged or retributed or not showing, not unknown sort of quantities. But uh, but now there's this sort of like, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's special. I, I could, and you don't have to wear a gown anymore. And I forget, right? You know, there's all these reusable things that, that that's going on in the salon. Air, gowns, hair dryers, brushes, all these things, right? Which, which probably does not does not add to the health and safety um, factor of a salon. I'm not saying they're not they are because you know the, everyone cleans them and this and that, right? But in a, in a client's head, there must be all these scenarios going through through them saying, you know what? I don't want to go in there, really. I don't know. Yeah, we we need to make some trade-offs, don't we? That going back into a salon makes sense, you know. Um, if you're charging a certain amount of money, you've got to ensure... Like, I kind of wrote about last year that if you're now having to put your prices up because of the extra measures, the extra insurances, the extra product costs, the extra, 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 all your costs are going up. But if the experience goes down for the customer, then there's no way that that's sustainable. You know, um, we have to make enough trade-offs that going back to work makes sense on a sound economic footing. Um, so, so, you know. so then, you know, we, we got the answers, right? So what's the solution? Well, the, well, the solution is, uh, is to simply wait until all this is over. You know, and to adapt and to adapt the best you can right now over the next 12 months to take advantage with what's changing around the in industry, you know. I mean, you know, the economics won't work when your price goes up 10% and yet your client numbers are down by 50%. I mean, I put a tweet out there the other day asking people, you know, what what is their fears for the next 12 months? Is it furlough ending? Or is it losing clients? You know, or is there something else that we're not thinking about? Because that's as a hairdresser, that's all I can think about. Am I going to lose money over the next 12 months? Am I going to lose the clients I've got? I think a bit of both, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's inevitable. So what can you do? And for me personally, it's right. Okay, well, what am I, what's my expenditure? All right, well, I'm going to cut that straight away to allow... So if my clients do go down, I'm, I'm not spending the, the same amount of money that I was, you know? Isn't that worrying, worrying factor, right, to, fight, to see, right, that no salon owner has been proactive. All they're doing is still moaning, haven't they? They're all moaning still, right? In the fact that no one's really done anything decisive. All right, you know, we had, we had the Amazon salon, right, which kind of showed us a whole new way of hairdressing experience. Mm. And no one's really done anything 
but moan and moan and moan. I don't want to talk about the owner of the salon. I don't want to talk about the um, mm. you know, people's reaction to it either. But um, <clears throat> but no one's really sort of done anything exciting in, in the last since the reopening, since the since the lockdown, sure. anything like that. So again, but do you think there needs to be this period of realization people go through and they understand what is actually changing? That they're actually living it right now, right? So, like when these numbers start coming in, you know, I know a lot of salons that were busy for the first two weeks and then have been dead for four. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The last four weeks. Um, there is a few salons in that in that situation. They're all in that situation. I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I certainly was very busy for four, maybe four and a half weeks, five weeks. Um, well, I, well, I've been steady, as you know, right? So, yeah. um, if anything, I've been, I've been a little bit busier than I want to be. But, but you've, I mean, you're semi-retired, so you've got a great balance between work and play, right? I think, I think this is fundamentally what most people get into hairdressing. They get into hairdressing because the creativity, the passion, the love for it, the fact that, you know, we've got the ability to make people feel good. Uh, but they stay in it because they can work it around their lifestyle. You know, and get a balance between work and play. Right? Yeah, but the thing is, though, you, they, they, most hairdressers don't know when to give up. Okay, that's that's the that's the sort of the the problem because you you cannot continue to work at a certain level and expect to maintain that level past fifty five. Yeah, you yeah, be. Yeah, no, I I understand that. Right. I understand that. And, and um, then and then what you do if you don't pull away at at a certain age. Then what happens then? You become a slave to it because yeah, I you, guess. you, you, yeah, you I know guess. you're too old to change. Then you know, uh, I was like you said, I was very fortunate. I really was very fortunate. But don't forget, right? Well, to where I got to, I was suffering an awful lot as well. You know, I lost the business, I lost money, I lost, I lost kids. You sure. know what I mean? You no, know of what course, mean? of course. You, you those know are the risks you took. Yeah, but you took those risks and you, you benefited know. from them by retiring at a certain know, time. It's yeah. amazing. Right. Which is, you know, <coughs> high five. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Is, so, you know, it's, it's not like, oh, he's lucky. Like, you know what I mean? No, it was, it was a right. It was risk. It was risk. Yeah, totally. So I, I think the point I'm trying to get around is it's the balance between work and play. And if your costs and everything go through the roof and your profits come down, you're now going to have to work longer hours, which leaves less time to play, which is what you're saying. You know, the longer you stay on this... Um, hamster wheel of trying to fight you know by not taking that risk to like do something different and make a change then you know you are going to be a slave for it I mean is the, is the reason why your clients are not going to the salons is do you think there's a salon phobia thing developing I mean I write about this in this in this blog about you know there's a distinct phobia towards dentists right people don't like going to the dentist whether it's because of the drills, whether it's because of the people in uniform, in the lab coats. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure there's an, an uh, it's, it's actually called um, dentophobia. Um, it's an extreme irrational fear of objects, situation or people. So do we think the pandemic is going to create this salon phobia? Yes, definitely. Because well, if, you, if, you, if you think about the minute you walk into a dentist, right? What do you see? What do you smell? You smell yeah. clinic. It's clinical, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, clinical. It's clinical. No atmosphere. No atmosphere. It's, it's, the side, you yeah, know, it's bright. 
Yeah, and don't get me wrong, dentists are nice people. Re receptions are all nice people, right? Oh, mate, i got a great dentist. He's left back in my football team. Uh, and Dan Dinesh, if you're listening. Exactly. They're, they're all nice people, okay? But still, there's that phobia still, and you're 100% right, because the whole experience of going into it is not mm. pleasing, is it? Whereas, you know, I think sons are going towards that way themselves. You know, unintentionally, of course, but enforced by the government guidelines and the um, the hairdressing and beauty councils and all these people, right? But this is the thing, you know, uh, kids' masks are coming off on Monday. We're all um, still having to wear the mask in, in salons. I mean, it's not, you know, for the next month, at least until they get rid of the mask, I can't see salon traffic, like, levelling out to a consistent, you know, level. Do you know what I mean? I can see it kind of declining and, and the appointment times being extended even further. Like I say, like the dentist, the once-a-year checkup or the once-every-six-month checkup, you know? Well, let's put it this way, Aaron, right? I mean, yeah, again, I'm, I'm talking about these sort of elite salons in, in London, right? Mm. Again, they, they relied on, on their um, transit clients. No one's flying in, mate. Mm. You know, there's no dignitaries flying in. There's no business people coming in. So you've got the travel restrictions combined yeah. with the masks and the environmental Everything. sanitation yeah. aspect of hairdressing salons. You've got yeah. all these things which equal... Yeah. Less money in the yeah, till, yeah, right? Exactly. Uh, and and, and, and you know, it's up to the sort of like the salon owners to sort of say, you know, well, again, and most salon owners, right, are, are quite nice people as well. They, they care about their staff, they care about everything, okay? Mm. Now, w would they would have faced a situation where they had to sack their staff as well? They don't want to be in that situation either, okay? So mm. there's a lot of emotions going through. through. I'm talking about what's your biggest fear is furlough ending in September. You know, look at all these um, salon employees whose jobs literally hanging on by a thread. You know, and, and there will be a lot of changes. Uh, unless they're happy to make the changes themselves now and not sort of say, oh, don't COVID did this or the government made me do it. But if they make that decision themselves now, right, they could be sort of say, say yes, I was, I, was, I was proactive. I did this, I did this in order for my business. It's a vibe, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's a great message, Joe. I think we should um, move on, though, to the next subject matter I wanted to get to today. Um, and no, I'm, I'm not going back to the London Mayor thing. Um, Count Bimface, um, you should follow him on Twitter, actually. He's quite, he's quite good. Um, I want to go back to... I don't want to go back to anything. I would just want to let you know. You know there's a Freedom Rally happening in St James's Park in central London tomorrow, mate. Okay. What, excuse me, a freedom march? A freedom rally. <laughs> you know, uh, there's a lot of kind of um, groups exist uh, on no, Telegram. No, Sadiq Khan, Sadiq doing what Sadiq Khan does best. Stopping London from moving. Okay, what's what's the march you're going to do in London? Stop it from moving, okay? <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's a Saturday and, and you would have thought... Um, no, no. London, you know, London would already be quite empty anyway but i've been to london a few times over the last month and it's a standstill mate. Yeah. everywhere's a standstill exactly. so there, there is some people um, working in london just not in any of the offices it okay, seems. okay. So, let's talk about these marches right now, now let me see yeah go the, on. the whole thing about demonstration right it's, it's a demonstration against the government right the politicians yeah I guess. now on a saturday there's no one in parliament so what they're doing they're just 
demonstrating to the media. I think so. I think it's a community spirit thing as well. I think people have like locked down for like 12 months. They've not really had any opportunity to come together in any big size. So I think they're taking it upon themselves to just, you know, put a message out there. And, you know, it's the freedom to express yourself, Joe. You know, what, in, 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 in central London? In central London, St James Park. No one's in central London on Saturday. You, you said it yourself. But, you know, everywhere's closed. It's only going to... I hope you haven't got any clients in central London tomorrow because it could bring, uh, bring no. a bit of misery to your <laughs> No, no, far from it, mate. Got, Maybe you should get a bike. I have got a motorbike, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> I would never get a push bike, mate. Never in a million years will I get a push bike. Never. Yeah. There was nothing. I remember, you know, when we were growing up, right? So we, saw, we used to see a bicycle, right? So we used to saw, we saw, saw shout out, get off a milk it. God knows what it meant, <laughs> right? But, the, but it was a great British thing, wasn't it? Get off a milk it, you know what I mean? Just shout, shout out a cyclist, you know? <laughs> but. Uh... <laughs> Well, I don't know if you want to touch on this thing. Like from the same group that um, I I I'm in on Telegram, they share like lots of stuff. You know, lots of stuff around like kind of freedom marches, um, music festivals, playlists. You know, it's all of a kind of hippie kind of hippy dippy movement. Is it? Is it? Is it? Or is it? Or is it sticking to? Is it sticking two fingers up the government? Is it sticking two fingers up the government? Come on. I think it's a, there's a bit of that, but I think there's a bit of that in in everyone, isn't there? That yeah. everyone's got a slightly rebellious side. But no, I think I think the majority of the stuff that goes on in the group, mate, is very love and peace and music, and you know. So that's why I call it hippie. They're know? not they're not but activists. Yeah. They're not sort of like no, there's they're no not... you know like you know deaf to you know. The uh, okay, West. so there's so then, that, then right? here's a here's, here's a demonstration, it's, right? Yeah. So what's it what's it, what's it going to need? Policing. Right, so it's taking off police off the beats for a start. Yeah, I yeah I know, but you can't you can't allow things like extinction rebellion to happen, Black Lives Matter to happen, and then you know be extreme. I know that's why they brought those you know. Oh, listen, laws I don't in. agree with extinction rebellion. I don't, I don't believe in any demonstrations in London. I, I, no, I think but, all but they are visibly out there saying smash the system, smash the state, smash everything. You know, there's a much more nihilistic perception and they do it you know and blm's the same it's a very very nihilistic kind of organization it's very much destroy 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 i don't know my interpretation of this group is it comes much from a more free loving hippier you know kind of peaceful uh narrative why, why central london then if that if that is their sort of like uh, sort of like their image right why central london why not go to um Richmond Park or um, Kenilworth Park or, or whatever. Well, like because it's not, it's not going to have the impact, I suppose. It's not going to get, you know, TV crews involved, is it? It's not, you know, you do. You have to go to the capital. They're playing to the media then, right? Yeah, of course, it's marketing. It's marketing. But also, part of the same group, that I got a flyer through about a music festival that's going to happen in June. Um where is it? Oh, it's a, it's a website. I've not seen whereabouts it is. But there's basically, it's a no vaccination or test fest, it's called. So basically, they're trying to organise a music festival, which is no doubt outdoors, in the middle of summer. And, you know, there's no vaccinations, no testing, no COVID passports required. 
Um, I'm, the reason why I'm bringing it up, I just think it'd be an interesting thing to folk like to, like to watch would you over go? the next would you go to couple, of couple of months. Would I think I would go to it. Yeah, I think I would. But are you okay? Are you going to go to it? I'm probably not going to go to it. No, no, because in June, as well, you know, I'm going for a house move, so I, I can't. But you know, I, I I like I like the idea that there's people out there going. You know, there's a festival over here which you've got to be coerced to get a vaccine in order to attend. Or there's a festival over here which you don't have to be coerced to do anything apart from just turn up. So let's see, you know, let's see if it works. Let's see if A, the councils don't stop it. B, insurance companies don't get involved and prevent it from happening. Um, the police from getting involved prevent it from happening. Let's just, all I'm saying is I'm not saying... One thing or another, I don't want to be very political about this whole COVID thing. Because as you say, it's a very much a self-preservation thing. Everyone's everyone's got their own ability to judge what their risk factor is, right? To anywhere they go, that's walking across the street. You know, that's crossing a zebra, zebra crossing. Do you know what I mean? That's all of that stuff. I'm just saying, let's just keep an eye on it uh, and see if it goes well. Why do these people, right, these organisers, think that what they're doing is is for the good of mankind, or good for nation, good for the soul, good for us? You know, what what is what is it in their thinking that I can't understand? That they are right, and and you know the government's wrong. People, I think it's just a romantic idea, isn't it? That music festivals are supposed to be free and open. Look at Woodstock. Look at Glastonbury. Do you think Glastonbury and Woodstock would have took off as things had, had you? Yeah, but you know, you know, you know, they were quite elitist. You know, they were they were for the least though. You know, because you know, Woodstock right was just sort of like you know, sort of graduates right who were sort of from well-to-do family right. We had nothing else to do with their sort. Of, yeah, like, it wasn't uh, about the average, the, the common person, right, was too busy working, mate. You know, for, I mean, the, the whole sort of hippie theme, right, was again a, a bourgeois... Um, it was a thing. young thing, Joe. It was young. You know, it, it appeals to the young sensibility. And I and I think, I, I feel a lot of people, it'd be interesting to see the average age of the people that, that is on this. Because I think they are probably more free-loving, peaceful, hippie diddy no, characters. I, I disagree, Harry, because... You know, in you know, their 40s and 50s. I, I was growing up... I, listen, I bet some of them at the park, and yeah, they, they are. Trust yeah, me, you know, listen, most of, the, most of the hippies, right, were, were just all graduates, you know, but they were on a year, on a year sabbatical, all right? You know, you, know you, had, you had the rockers, you had the mods, you know, these were the working class uh, people, right? Hippies were from the upper class, mate. You know, they were smoking their weed, they were smoking their... Because drugs, to do drugs, right, you need money, mate. You need yeah, to travel, you need money. And don't forget, you know, in the 60s and 70s, it really was a class thing. Now, okay, I know it's all romantic and it looks fantastically cool and all these hippies, right? But, but for me, right, it really was the upper class sure. Uh, sure. Uh, in, in their own way, really. I don't, I don't see it as, as romantic. I just think it's, it's just a bourgeois... Um, Privileges. Like I say, given the choice, do you want to go to this festival over here, which is micromanaged down to the last thing where you have to pay 15 quid for a organic plant vegan burger? Or do you want to go to this festival, which has got a few live bands, bring your own food, do whatever, 
We'll we'll clear it all up afterwards. Uh, you know. Uh, you know. No, okay, and let me ask. Right, let's right, let's, let's, go, let's go, go to the I'll second go to the one. Thank. Which one shall we go to, Aaron? Which one shall we go to? I think we should let's go to the second one. Second one. Should okay. go to the one. In the spirit of music and festivals, which, like I say, I've got a romantic idea of festivals. They should be like Glastonbury. Glastonbury. Well, you got long hair for a start. You got a beard, so you you'll fit in. Maybe that's the Neil from Young Ones coming out of me. Oh, yeah, the Neil, yeah, you you were fitting perfectly. Hey, dude, how you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough of that nonsense, then. No, no, look, no, I agree. I let's look, wait, let's wrap that up then. All I'm saying is let's keep an eye on it. Let's see what happens because I'm expecting it to be shut down. Probably not allowed to happen. You know, there's but there's different boxing matches as well, right? You know, you've got licensed boxing matches and you've got unlicensed boxing. See, they can't move gypsies from a from a field, right? Well, how are they going to move a, a, a festival? Well, whatever, whatever. All right, let's let's leave that. Let's put that. Listen, um, I've got to congratulate you. Um, Why? Because um, I'm not sure if anyone is a member of our. Anyone's listening is a member of our Telegrams group, but you can go to uh, if you download the app Salonomics or you go Salonomics salon.uk there's a link code on there. It's an invite link that goes puts you straight into our Telegram chat where me and Joe like throw things at each other. Anyway, so the one that I put up there the other day was your success. If you measure it in being banned, you finally scored a hat trick for the first time in your life. You've been censored on LinkedIn again for having a conversation. conversation. Now, please, now please explain, explain to, the, to listeners the listeners what's going on. What's going I just on. need to go to the toilet, toilet, so just go, so for, just it. go for it. Okay, well, this is a, there was there was a well, you were having a conversation with um, this this dude Emil McMahon, right? And um, he, he just kind of like posted something about retail and online uh, e-commerce. Um, business and, and and i just sort of said you know so sort of reading your thread can you please explain to me how it works there, there you are so sort of criticizing the the amazon platform and yet you you're encouraging um shelf life businesses at the same time and yet you're promoting um e-commerce for salons anyway he kind of replied back to me saying um that he's this and this and that and that and i said well why would someone spend ten thousand pounds on a super duper website to promote someone else's products does it make sense okay and then um he kind of replies sort of saying jeremy i each to their own but i've built sort of like six successful uh, businesses blah 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 anyway right, come back <laughs> you right. come back well i just got interrupted right i just got it right i just saw saying about the, the the conversation i was having with the with the dude So he said to me, he said that he built what six or nine successful e-commerce platforms for businesses, whatever it was, yeah. right? Because I can't remember because it was such a short-lived in the conversation, and and he said, to, you know, I said to him, well, why would you, like I said to you um, a minute ago, why would, why would you build a ten thousand pound website to to um, to promote someone else's products? Does it make sense? Yeah. Right? You know, just it's just foolhardy. To sort of say the least. And he replied, sort of saying, each to their own Joe Mamet, but you know, blah, blah, blah. Next minute, I got banned. I got restricted. <laughs> <laughs>
It's quite funny. I mean, you've got form, right? And, and you know, when I reviewed what you got banned for last time, it was like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, the problem you've, you've done is you retaliated, you know. And I, and I could just, I could look at why they've banned you. You know, they look at your conduct in the past. So you must have been on such thin ice. But being banned for having, com- having just a, a conversation, there was nothing nasty sinister or anything in this conversation because you were there because i was actually so like actually you know what i don't understand is you see all these social media uh gurus and the second you go on a thread and you actually engage with them they run away they literally run away they they don't want to engage with you they just want to put out all this virtue signaling nonsense and then when you strike up a conversation so oh, I don't like what you said. I'm going to block you. <laughs> Just like, what? Hang on. I thought we were talking. You know. This is it. Well, this is the thing, right? This is, um, I mean, I, I, I had to sort of, to get access to my camera, I had to verify my identity, right? This is yesterday. Yeah. And I, I kind of put my passport picture up and this and that. Anyway. Um, and, I, and I saw... That's that. You made you do all that last time. Exactly. So I did it again, right? And then I said to you, now, please can you explain to me why I've got... Um, Blah, blah, right. And they, they replied to me saying, Hi, Joe, Facebook contacted us. Your account was previously restricted for violating the LinkedIn terms of services by posting content that harasses or bullies others, goes against our policies. In order to reinstate your account, we have asked you to review and agree to comply with our user agreement professional community services policies. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, fair enough, right? So they quote what, no. what you said was bullying no. or harassment? No. Like, do they quote any? Of no, and it, and, it, and it kind of gives me a link to user agreement, user agreement, and professional professional yeah, community. Probably fifty-eight pages of right. T's and C's, anyway, what not to do. So, and it kind of said, due to continued violations, your account would not be restored, and also due to the nature of violations associated with your account, we will not be able to process your request to close your account. This is the funny thing, is Aaron, right? I've got no access to my account whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, but I can't close my account. Right, so they've got all your data. Yeah. Okay. You know. Uh, so, shall we explore why you're being censored, or should we explore the conversation we was having? I think we should explore the conversation, right? Because I've got no access to the conversation, right? Right. Uh, okay. And then, and then we can, then our listeners could understand clearly that I actually didn't say anything that was bullying, harassing. Uh, I no, just. I mean, you just asked. I mean, you did ask him to explain. That's right. You know, because um, it was contradictory. Because, because sorry, sorry to interrupt, right? But it was his post. It was quite contradictory to the uh, to to the comment because it was criticising the Amazon salon for being um, a, 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 a e-commerce platform. At the same time, because he was sort of saying um, that shelf life is the and be all for all salon business to survive, right? And we've been we've been down this line with a previous guy from. Um, what was that? Balmain, right? We're sort of saying, let's see, if you have to rely on um, product sales, you might as well close your business down. Remember? Yeah, right? yeah, you said that last summer. Right. And um, so so I I saw like wanted to understand, right, where he was coming from. Mm. Because at the same time, he supports shelf life. And at the same time, it was, it was a successful website builder for e-commerce for hairdressers salons. So I asked him to explain, and you know, and this is where you come because you got a thread. I haven't got a thread, and um, and then he, he started explaining to me that he built um, 
sort of like website for um, salon owners to sell their products. So they've got presents. So I just replied saying, why would... I don't think he is. I think he's more of a salon consultant. No, no. He, 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 no he, he told me, he told me he built, right? He, this is he, the... said, he said set up. Right. Okay. Set up, build, whatever. Set right. Up. So uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he um, probably got someone from Fiverr, and you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean. And and, yeah, and you know, charge someone two thousand pounds. So I said to him, why would you someone pay ten thousand pounds for a super duper website to sell another company's products? That's that's foolhardy. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think why I jumped into the thread, um, you know, just to comment on his post because he was essentially saying. Um, that Amazon are going to have the power, purchasing power to make an indent into Salon's retail sales. And and my point to him was, what are you talking about? Like, the, the internet has undercut Salon's retail for the last 15 years. That's why nobody does Salon retail anymore. And you're deluding yourself to think that Salon's are doing retail because they aren't. I would argue it's less than 10%, one in 10 clients may buy something from you. Um, so that's that That was the point I was trying to get across. Um, exactly. Look, the, the guy's a fake, right? <laughs> He's a complete fake. Existed for years, but no one's done anything about it. And it's all like, oh, Amazon have come along now. They're going to take over all salon business. No, they're not. They're not going to. They're just showing us how to do it properly. And my point is properly. Well, how and to do it? How to do it in a digital world? Precisely, precisely. So, um, have so you, you you sent me um, an image of him, right? Um, yeah. Emil McMahon, right? Okay, he's a consultant, trainer, educator. So, what's the difference between a trainer and an educator? Bespoke education, business consultant. So, is is two all of a sudden, right? He's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 11 hats and the founder of uh, of a 2020 club it's got all these hats right and yeah. yet it yeah, see, rubbish. See, yeah well like i say i was just trying to dive into because he's released a book called don't sell and you know a uh, good luck to him yeah he's, he's written a book congratulations you know i'm not i'm not trying to you know appear antagonistic with my comment i'm just merely putting out you know his solutions to salon business is change a product company to move to brands that offer something different. I'm sorry, Emil. All product companies are selling online. They're not going to be exclusive to salons because you're such a tiny proportion of the market. And number two, stick with what you know and accept that Amazon's power of purchase will mean they have the ability to undercut your retail pricing. You know, absolutely. If you can't compete with the internet, You've got to join the internet. You can't say ban the internet and ban the companies that are using the internet to get an advantage because that's that stinks of protectionism to me. So all I was trying to get across was the fact that I think what I'm trying to build is go salon um, USP is the fact that we help you set all this up for you for free, for no cost, no barrier of entry. And you can try it yourself. We we can widen your inventory of things you sell. You don't have to be loyal to one particular brand. You can be loyal to whatever brands you want and you can sell anything you want. So my point is we can't beat Amazon. So at least what can we learn from Amazon? What are they doing that we can incorporate into our business, which will 
put money in our till rather than remove money from it. The only way you want to beat Amazon, right, is by offering a faster, better, cheaper service. Right? This is salon, right? Not going to do that, is it? No, I think there is a there's a, a percentage of people that actually don't like Amazon, like for whatever ethical reasons, you know. So oh yeah, it's like Apple. No one will buy an Apple product. Yeah, there's always going to be a group of people, right? Yeah, there's always yeah, going, going to be a group of people. But my, my whole thinking is. For Go Salon, my whole marketing thing is been targeted at 100% of experts in our industry. And the experts are the hairdressers, right? And the beauty professionals, the ones that do the, do the actual service. They're the experts. Can I say something, Aaron? This guy yeah. is dangerous to the business, all right, to our industry. Not our business, our industry, right? Because it is purported to be all this um, be-all and end-all answer, right? Which is actually not, is actually, is, is fishy, all right? Is, is actually hoodwinking. He's a con man, basically speaking. I just think the answer to sell on retail is give yourself more opportunity to sell more retail. So. Well, no, your, 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 your product, right, is, is brilliant. But, you know, this guy, right, is, is, is actually quite dangerous because he's, he's undermining your product. In order to boost his profile, he's boosting his profile, right? To say he's this or this. And by getting me banned, which I think it was him, right? He reported yeah, that me. That was the ultimate parting shot, weren't well, it? That was the ultimate. That just, yeah, yeah it just it just confirms to me that he cannot, you know, you know look, I've got no skin again, right? I've got no, I've got nothing to sell, I've got nothing no. to buy. Okay, so I could be as honest as I can, and I just want people to be as honest as they can be as well. Unfortunately, they, you know, I don't want to be part of a network, right, where they, they, these kind of people have a, have a sort of influential say. It, you know, it, it, it's quite sad, mate. I really yeah. think it's a sad state of affairs that someone like Emil McMahon, right, to be anybody he wants to be, but he's not what he is. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Joe, for me, like I say, I, this is not targeted at Emil at all. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't want to turn this into an anti-Emil campaign. I mean, it's not. It was just, but he's made it like that because he's removed you from the conversation by getting you banned. So now the only way we can get it out there is by talking about on the podcast, right? So here's the set. This would never have come to the podcast hadn't he tried to get you banned from the platform. So a meal, there's some consequences. You know, you got to take the take the rough with the smooth. I'm afraid. Yeah, mate, listen, mate. We we just destroyed you. All right. Yeah, you you um, may have banned me, but we destroyed so, you. But bring it back to the future of salons and salons of the future. Um, I just think the problem with selling retail in the salon is a fundamental one. The price of the products you're trying to pedal in the salon is a long, lot of the time twice of what you can get it on Amazon. And by trying to sell your client a £20 product that they know they can get on Amazon for £10 is a little bit disingenuous. And it's a little bit... It, it's a bit of a rip-off. Do you know what I mean? Well, again, you know what I mean? Can, can I, actually, I kind of just put, put a little spark to my head, right? It's all saying, right? Do, do you think clients have caught, this up, caught up with this as well, right? They'd be going to these hairdressers, right? And they'd be, they'd be paying... £35 for a, a Carousel shampoo and all that lot, right? Which, yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, because of lockdown, right, they have to buy the shampoo online. And Absolutely. they're thinking, oh, wow, oh, wow. 
I've been uh, charged. Well, of course they know. Of course uh, they know. They've, they've been, they, that's, why, that's why retail isn't, is rarely done in the salon. So, so again, right, again, now, the lockdown really has, has actually sort of like opened their eyes. Opened their eyes to it. Like I say, and it's like you can't get it to go back to what it was 20 years ago. You know, the, 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 the goalposts have moved. You know, Go Salon is really about expanding your options as a retailer. You know, it's not about trying to cut anything off. It's about trying to expand. So look, look at three scenarios that I bring up, right? The client wants to take a product from your shelf now, so they'll happily pay the Salon premium, right? So they'll pay whatever it is, 25%, 33% more, because they want it there and then. That's the convenience factor of paying the premium. The second scenario is the client is going straight out after the appointment and doesn't want to be burdened with heavy products while they're in the restaurant or while they go to a wedding or whatnot. Look at me, I'm carrying a Neville's bag with Carousel shampoos. They don't want to be burdened to it, so they can use Go Salon to scan and ship it straight to their house. Yeah, so that's convenient for them. They're going to do it. Now, the third scenario is the client wants the product but does not want to pay the salon premium. This way, they can just scan it from you, and they pay the online pre. They pay the online price, which is cheaper. Which, when you take all of those three things into account, surely all of those things have got to be more convenient to our customers. Yeah, and, and that's another thing, right? How many times, right, do you think it has happened? So a client buys the products from the um, the salon, right? And they're going out for lunch, say, or they're going to meet a friend, or they're going out for a bit of shopping, right? Mm -hmm. And wherever they've gone, they left that bag behind. Yeah, so there's that. But 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 my point I'm trying to stick on is all three of those options means the salon earns commission. All three. So rather than having ten percent of just the retail, the salon retail, you've now got a hundred percent of everything. Yeah. And, and, and multiple choices. Look, I, yeah, I agree. Multiple choice. And, that, and, that, and obviously, I'm not even mentioning the space-saving aspects of it. The fact that you can sell all of those digital tools, your, your 300-pound air dryers and your 150-pound straightening irons, without having to buy the thing in first and, and watch it sit on a shelf for a year. Gathering must. Before, the, you know, the, 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 the USP of a go salon, right, is space. Space-saving. Right, yeah, you 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 said entire time. retail display in your pocket, it, exactly. Right, That's so right. and your clients' pocket, exactly. Right. Not this Emil McMahon, go say, Oh, you put this product there, put that product there, put this product there. Yeah, we've, yeah, moved, we've moved on, we've moved on. You know, it, it's the same with salon magazines as well. It's like, who on earth is buying magazines to put in the salon? You're probably better off, you know, the people, every single person that comes in, they they they, they take two minutes while they're waiting. To check on their messages, to check on their phone. Exactly, and you know, and you, and you know why the industry is such a disarray, mate. When you got people like this, you got people like <laughs> people like anybody that can't really sort of see. There you go, people like this, people like this. Well, and we know, we all know who those people are, right? They're protectionists. They are the people. They're the bureaucrats. They're the people that want it to all go back to how it all was before. Listen, it's not going to stop crying about it. Let's get on with it. Let's move the conversation forwards. Yes, Joe? Yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely. definitely. Mate. All right, then, mate. Look, I think we've 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 ranted, <laughs> discussed. I think we've shared quite a few things. But, yeah, once again, where can anyone find... Well, not in LinkedIn anymore, mate. So you're exclusive to Telegram. Um, check Joe out. Uh, if, Like I say, Salonomics, 
www.gosalon.uk. Um, there you can find a invite link to Salonomics. Uh, if you're listening to us via one of your podcast players, please try a new podcasting app called Sphinx Chat or Podverse. They're very, very, very brilliant apps that you should try. Uh, they'll enhance your listening pleasure for sure. It's all to do with the podcasting 2.0 thing. Um, Go Salon is still found at gosalon.uk. I'll put links in the show notes to everything we've kind of discussed today uh, and, and an invite link in there as well to Telegram so that you can uh, chat with Joe uh, and bring him to task for anything that he, he says. But, um, but apart from that, Joe, I think we've covered everything, right? I think so for this week, yeah. It's, it's what been... are you up to this week? Have you got any any plans on the horizon? Are no. you going to a freedom market? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to avoid central London. I'm going to, I'm going to sort of say, bravo, um, City Car, you do what exactly what um, London's not wanting you to do. Allow protest marches to happen. They should all be banned, mate. If you, <laughs> it should all be yeah, banned. Um, I'm not into banning things. Live, live and let live, mate. Live and let live. Let's 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 move the conversation forwards. I look forward to catching up with you next week, mate. Um, But yeah, have a great weekend. You too, mate. Speak to you later.